When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, friends, and welcome in to Rates and Barrels. I am not DVR. DVR is enjoying, you know, the baby. The kid, the not vacation. He was just or like, or not hey. enjoying. <laughs> yeah, he explained to me. He was like, I gotta, I got to take some time off. And then I was like, Oh, is it vacation? He's like, No, I have to. <laughs> the wife is going back to work, and I'm like, Oh, okay. So you're just going to be working at home, just not on this current job. So yeah, right. the I am job. filling in. Uh, I'm Chris Welsh. That is Eno Saris, and we are here to talk about the stuff and things, and we are hoping the best for uh, our dear Derek Van Riper. Uh, you know, you got some articles that are coming out we're going to probably be mentioning in this. And uh, we've got a few other crazy things. And I had this crazy thing come up and I'm, I've been dying to talk to you about it and I actually teased it on some of the other shows that I've been doing because it's such a weird concept. And the best way I can do it is just be ridiculous about it. And the concept is, is StatCast worthless? And of course it's not. <laughs> of course it's not. But... I've had two different places that I've been doing shows with two different players present some interesting ideas of where StatCast is completely wrong. And I think there's there's also a, a building community of people that I think are still trying to comprehend like you know, expected stats and you hear a lot of analysts talking about it more. And I think maybe some old school type of people listening to fantasy get frustrated about it. But it is obviously a great tool, and obviously StatCast is not worthless. But where we're going with it today is we've got two players I want to break down with you and get your takes on them. And let's start with the hitter, the hitter that was presented to me. And this is kind of an opposite take from the other guy, so this should be fun. And that hitter is Key Brian Hayes. So the reason we ask, is StatCast worthless? Because when you pull up his StatCast page, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's like a very well done Christmas tree. There's like little tiny light blues with lots of red. It shines. The places that you want to be red are mostly there. The hard hit percentage, 80 percentile. He doesn't whiff. Um, his WOBA is at least 56 percentile. His K percentage. He doesn't strike out. He walks a little bit, doesn't strike out, hits the ball really hard. His uh, exit velocity average is top 8% in the league. His strikeout percentage is top 10% in the league. He has a 113 max EV. Oh my God, you know, that's all awesome. But guess what? He's one homer and he's hitting 232. So we've always been kind of saying, I've been talking a lot here, but this is one of those guys we're always like, hey, listen, this tells a story. This could break out. This could break out. He never does. He never does. So I think people are wondering, like, what do you take out of this? Uh, is StatCast worthless, at least in this regard? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's interesting in that, you know, he's still 26, so there's still a chance. But, uh, you know, it becomes less of a chance every year. And a, a couple of thoughts come to mind. First, uh, you know, when you take a screenshot of the StatCast, you know, little bobble at the top, 
it sort of implies that all of the information on there is equally important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just not the case. Um, I mean, for example, the expected suite, expected Woba, expected batting average, expected slugging, um, they, the run environment changes every year in baseball. And so the idea of what is expected given a launch angle and an exit velocity changes every year. And that sort of redefined, I think, around the All-Star break last time I checked. So we're kind of looking at, at last year's numbers there in a way. Um, and I think there's been some analysis, some research that shows that those aren't necessarily predictive. So I, I don't necessarily, I, I sometimes peek at them. I don't look at them so much. You know, uh, chase rate is something we talk about a lot here. Uh, and it is important generally, but there are tons of players that have great chase rates and aren't that great, <laughs> you know, like Trent Grisham. Uh, and then there's tons of, tons of people who, uh, who chase a lot and are still great. Um, and, it, and it has a little bit more to do about longevity, you know, like if you uh, chase a lot, like Teoscar Hernandez, I wrote about today, if you chase a lot, I don't think you're going to age that well, because at some point you can't make as much contact on pitches outside the zone. So, you know, we've kind of gone through some of these and there's there's strength, like arm strength is on there. Like that's virtually meaningless for, fan, for, for really? fantasy. Right? Are you sure? <laughs> arm strength? We can't quantify that in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Danzy Swanson has a, a limp noodle for an arm, apparently, and he's still at shortstop. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, if you look at this through the lens of which number on here is shown to be the most predictive of future power, he's blue. Barrel percentage, 36% though. I was going to lead you, I was just about to lead you there to say what's funny about his page specifically as we're looking at it is one thing that jumps out to you. It might be the most important. You and I were talking exactly, a little bit off yeah. there, is the most important, uh, and, you, and let's break it down. Let's hear your take on it. But the most important thing on here is maybe the barrel percentage, even though I think in this modern like era of like how a lot of people are analyzing players and looking at players, I think the very first thing that we go to is hard hit percentage. Like it's hard hit percentage in EV. And then there's a reason it's but at the very barrel, top on these, but barrel well, might be the one. Well, the thing is, Hard hit percentage is great. He does hit the ball hard. We know he hits the ball hard. We can see that from average exit velocity. We've seen that from max exit velocity. So there's three things there. And and so they've put three things that tell you the same thing. He can hit the ball hard, right? So you have, but that tells you, it sort of makes you think, oh, that must be three times as important. <laughs> but average exit velocity hasn't been shown to be that predictive. Max exit velocity hasn't been shown that to be predictive. And we treat it, we try to treat it on this podcast as upside, raw power, right? Yeah. And then hard hit is fine. It's better if you can lift it at all and barrel tells you about hitting the ball hard and lifting it. So that's why it's so powerful. So, um, yeah, he does hit the ball hard. When I look at this is I see an athlete and athletes are people I like to bet on. And I still think there could be a, a peak year in here for him. There are some things that I like that he's doing this year even. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, that sprint speed is falling. His stolen base percentage is falling. And so the thing that, that, that we always wanted was like a 2020 season. And as the stolen base, you know, part of his game is falling off, we're likely to maybe have a peak that's like a 20 homer five stolen base season. So we may never get the 2020 season we were looking for. Um, and, I, and I have sympathy for people who are annoyed uh, at, you know, the savant card or at us uh, for liking him 
Um, and for, you know, for him coming up this often and, um, you know, I would say that, you know, first of all, the barrel rate is the most, the most powerful thing and, it, and the barrel rate never liked Cabrian Hayes. Uh, we liked him for other reasons cause we thought he might grow into a barrel rate. It, um, it'd have been nice if you could, you know, how in like fan graphs, you can go and you can kind of, you know, you can customize your board and how it want to, it'd be nice if we could kind of yeah. customize this middle and be like, Hey, listen, I don't even want to look at average. I don't want average velocity. velocity. Yeah, I don't want that on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be, okay, but like, is there anything applicable here? Because what I think is, um, this was a listener of mine that had pointed this out to me. I thought this was like a really good pick. But it's not a one for one. Like this just happens to be one of those where we look at and we're like, man, like I personally feel when I look at Key Brian Hayes, like you can fix this. And at some point in his career, he's hitting the ball hard. He's not even hitting the ball on the ground as much as usual. So there's like still, I, it's still catnip to me. Yeah, but, <laughs> but maybe it's got to be kind of more like this year he's doing the same stuff. He's back to the same stuff again. It looks like there needs to be something, and you would think, by the way, that there'd be something with the Pirates, and I don't know how they exactly work in their player management, but it would be like, hey, we've got to figure out, you know how like we talked in the offseason about what was uh, Lars Nupar doing? You know, he was out the whole summer working with uh, Driveline, working on, you know, barreling and getting those barrels to be fly balls and that type of stuff. Like, why is Key Brian Hayes Right, like Brian Hayes obviously has the bat speed because he has the max exit velo, has the hard hit rate. Like, why can't he get that ball out in front? Yeah, like we you can see look at his spray chart fixable. and see the problem. It, yeah, it really, like, we see that, yeah. But he, obviously, he's been talking to people for a long time about this. Yes, but like, is there anything else applicable? Because, like, I just think he picked the right guy to have this conversation where Statcast doesn't really give us. Yeah, a good I mean, story. for example, look at Mike Trout's Statcast page. Yeah. Okay. No, you <laughs> actually want me to? Is this well, like I mean, rhetorical or I'll go? No, ahead. I mean, I for anybody listening, I mean, like. Do you think Mike Trout is what like one of the best players in the league? I do. When I look at his Statcast page, it's all red. I mean, yes, there's that barrel, by the way. Yeah, ninety fourth percentile barrel rate, uh, and like K, you know, yeah, he always has struck out a little bit, but you know, everything else is at the max slider. You know, so like, uh, you know, it, it's it's another thing is you know we talked about this is like the model is designed to be right most of the time. And you're gonna have you're gonna have outliers. You know, I think Brian Hayes is like pretty obviously an outlier. Like who else hits the ball hard on the ground and has just never lifted it? Even Yandy Diaz, who is kind of a clone, very similar. Yeah, and I'm has had years here. where he lifts it. <laughs> and I'm like looking here to try to find even just for this year to find big hard hit percentages with low barrel percentages. And, you know, the first guy comes up is DJ LeMahieu, who has a 50, an over 50% hard hit percentage, but he's got an under 7% barrel, which I actually feel like is a little bit higher for him this year. Um, I mean, Rosario is one of those guys. Seiya Suzuki, they've got really low barrel percentages with high, uh, with high hard hit percentages. And there's a, there's a couple things going on. Maybe they go oppo a lot. DJ LeMahieu is a spray hitter. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say, look, he has a 28% pull rate, 40% is league average, you know? So DJ Mayhew is hitting the ball hard on the ground opposite field, you know? And that's why he doesn't, it doesn't turn into a lot of, that's, that's slightly Cabrian Hayes' problem. I think the cool thing about StatCast is you've got this spray chart right next to it, right? Mm 
And the spray chart can give you a real clue as to why somebody is underperforming their sliders. So you look over at DJ LeMayhew and you see, oh, uh, you know, oh, look at that hard hit rate. That's great. Then you look at the spray chart, you go, oh, he's hitting everything hard to the other side, right? Um, and uh, who was the other guy? Rosario? Yeah, I made Rosario. Really like I think it. It might like be nice if they had just a, I, you know, I know launch angle is something that bothers people. And we just said that it's too much information on here. But I think with him, it would be easy enough just to see either with a launch angle or a ground ball rate slider or something that uh, he just doesn't lift the ball, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he's hitting the ball hard straight into the ground. So he's got a similar problem to uh, to Cabrian Hayes. And and nothing is a one for one. Again, like I think people should remember these are these are great tools, but you know it's not perfected. But like barrel percentage might be something that people want to put a little bit more focus on. Like you're saying, your top ten in barrel percentage in the league right now. I'm just list them off: Aaron Judge, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Patrick Wisdom, Max Muncy, Pete Alonso, Sean Murphy, Jordan Alvarez, Jorge Soler, and Brent Rooker. All power, but also a lot of production in there too. Here's your bottom percent in barrel percentage this is the top 10 is two and a half percent or less number one steven kwan at 1.2 percent barrel rate andres jimenez miles straw luis arise mauricio debon wit uh merrifield enrique isak paredes astori ruiz and jp crawford it's not where i like to it's not like where i'd like to uh to shop yeah, well, and, and some of those guys, like Astori, has been... It's enough speed or whatever, yeah. Yeah, he's played really well. You know, it's a, a crazy fact on that, too. Of those top 10 I gave you, only two have a hard hit percentage over 30%. It's J.P. Crawford and, and Enrique Hernandez. Everybody else is under 30% hard hit rate. And I think there's something interesting also about uh, Miles Straw and Astori Ruiz being in the same place. Because, you know, you, you might want to say that after the year that uh, Ruiz is having... Um, you know, you say, okay, well, barrel rate isn't everything. And Estoy Ruiz uh, is, uh, you know, somebody I want on my team. And he's, uh, if I had him on my team this year, I wouldn't have a lot of barrels, but I have 26 stolen bases. That's great. But Miles Straw is right next to him. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you have to, you have to realize that and this is might be the most controversial thing I'll say is that I think a player's power ceiling determines their entire ceiling as a player. And that, Mm. and if you have no power, you are, you are relegated to the guys who are up and down and who are like sometimes useful and sometimes not. So even if Ruiz has a great year this year, I'm probably not going to have him next year, but so he's just not my type of player. I want players with power. And, and Breeze has one of the worst average X. I know you said it's not predictive, but like it's a little predictive when it's like 84 miles. But it's like one of the worst in baseball is average EVs. Is your dictation of said power built more off of max EV raw power? Or is it like you're saying barreling? Like barreling is the most important piece of you judging the two, power. The two, the two things, I, like I look at them in descending order where barrel rate is the thing I look at the most. And then max EV and uh, hard hit rate are what I look at next. Um, because, uh, and probably Max EV is last as much as we talk about on the show, Max EV is just something I look at to describe what I think is the potential for the player. Right. And at some point you start like, that's another thing that's going on with Cabrian Hayes is at some point you stop worrying as much about the potential and start looking at actual results because there are going to be players that just never reach their potential. Right. Whatever it is. Like the real, um, world. like you start getting real. You got to start getting real. With you got to start, yeah. You got to start getting real. Like when you're 
two 2,500 plate appearances into a player's career. You, you got to stop kind of being like, buddy has a good max EV. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we had that. We were, you and I were talking off air, this like analogy too that people get very hung up on specifics of like this, like this would be the instance. And you just got to remember, like, it's all best odds. You know, it's all, it's all a math thing. And, and, and we likened it to like poker where it's like, Hey, listen, you can have the best hand and someone can have a 9% chance with one out left and they can hit that. And it's like, well, I should have won. I had a set of aces and this guy, you know, 25% or 15% chance to hit a club on the river. And he got his flush to be, I was winning the whole way. My odds kept getting better and better. And then it just didn't work out. That's and kind of like what the predictive process is. The same thing with baseball. It's like best guesses. It's math telling us stories. It's the same thing uh, that Derek Carty has dealt with, with like the constant barrage he gets about like projections and stuff. And it's like some things are right. Things are wrong. But at the end of the day, the math, like anything, trying to be plus, right more often than it, you're wrong. It's just trying to put you in the best situation. And hopefully you've built up enough analysis to kind of decipher. And it's like, hey, listen, we're going to we're going to jump on a player. And you're going to be like, hey, listen, I see all this stuff with Key Brian Hayes. I love it. I, I think it's one fix away. I'm going to make the bet. I think he can improve. And then guess what? He doesn't. It still doesn't. And there's another analogy uh, to poker that's interesting is that like, you know, I don't want to say that I'll never have a Miles Strawian player on my team. Um, and in fact, Miles Straw's, uh, you know, uh, stock has fallen so far himself that, you know, I may pick up some shares of Miles Straw next year. Um, because uh, the price will drop. And so yeah. if you think about that, that, that analogy you have where it's like, you know, this person stayed in on something he shouldn't have. He wouldn't have stayed in if the price got too expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you went all in and this guy's looking at two fours, he's not going to stay in. You know what I mean? So there, the, there is a relationship between price and how in you should be. So, like, I am saying that Miles Straw is not my type of player. Uh, and and I, Esri Ruiz is not my type of player. But if next year Miles Straw is a bench round pick or uh, somebody I can pick up for $3 in AL only league, heck yeah, man. <laughs> I'm back in. You know what I mean? We ran a Brian Hayes at this point next year may go undrafted in, in uh, a lot of leagues in, in, in NFPC. Would I love to put Cabrian Hayes as my as like like my as my bench CI, you know, just to just to give him a shot for two or three weeks and say, is this the year that Cabrian Hayes does the Yandy Diaz, you know, and actually lifts the ball a little bit and gives me uh, batting average and uh, and power? Then then yeah, that's worth you know a dollar or two or a bench pick. But you know that's actually a really interesting thought too. Like, what if what if Key Brian Hayes does the Yandy Yandy path over years, where it's just like the hard hit that keeps going, keeps going, and then it's going to take the one year to click. Unfortunately, the Pirates. I mean, Yandy Diaz's Rays. best year is happening at thirty-one years old. Yeah, th that's why I said, like I said in the Key Brian Hayes thing, I believe there will be a year where it breaks. And he break, he's 26 years old. He will break 28, 29. That's why it's like redraft. It, probably not. I see no sign of improvement here. And in this case, he's a specific case of stat cast being worthless in this point because it didn't work out. Let's move but to the still other somewhat yeah, interesting in Dynasty and like Keeper because they've still got these skills. But yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you on that. Like he's actually someone probably in the offseason if, if it keeps getting bad, it's like. But prioritize what you're, yeah, but prioritize what you're looking at when you're looking at the Savant page for sure. Yeah.
Exactly. Okay. So now let's go to part two of is StatCast worthless? <laughs> and I should have done this with Key Brian Hayes. I didn't for the video people. I'm going to bring this up on screen here. And uh, I present to you, or, well, I will bring it up on screen if it wants to go, Bryce Elder. <laughs> this was one I was tweeted about. And um, let's see, this was from Baseball Doesn't on Twitter and saying, is StatCast data pointless? We're calling it, is it worthless? Because Bryce Elder, it is shorter sample sizes, is one of the craziest looking pages too because <laughs> it is the Arctic. It is blue across the board. The only thing he doesn't do is walk a whole bunch of guys, but from hard hit to expected batting average to strikeout percentage to fastball velo, fastball spin extension, it is all some of the worst you can see in baseball. But the guy has a two ERA in 10 starts this year. 51 strikeouts and under one, two whip and is three and O. So I have some feelings and thoughts on his actual pitch mix here, but I present to you again, you know, is StatCast worthless when it comes to a player like Bryce Elder or anybody? We don't have to, but this is the example of where it does not, there, there are two conflicting stories here. I don't ever look at the sliders for a pitcher on StatCast. Ever. I am now looking at this. I don't know if it's like the first time that I'm like bringing it, taking it all in. But like if you had asked me before the show, what's on a pitcher's stack cast pro like percentile rankings, I you would no not idea. have been able to tell you <laughs> <laughs> looking at it now. It's just not useful to me to know these things like in the way that they are presented again, extension fat, like extension, usually good, not always good fastball velocity. Okay. I'd actually have that on there. And, and it's important because if I look now at starters with the worst fastball velocity, they are rich Hill, Kyle Freeland, Zach Greinke, Trevor Williams, Austin Gomber, Bryce elder, Jordan Lyles. Do you want these guys? Yeah, no, you don't, you don't go shopping in this bin. Not normally. So, you know, that that's a that's a useful thing to have on the slider. But pitcher average exit velocity allowed is I'm I'm not going to be rude. Uh, I'm just going to be a little say, rude if you want. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I I don't it never it never. It, it, and like uh, uh, apologies I a little bit do. Alex Chamberlain has done some really good work on like what pitchers can control and there and there's a little bit a little bit of something there i think it's related to command there's something there so i would say like there's a there's a little whiff of like he has good command that you can get out of that but i'm sure that there are tons of people on average exit velocity allowed that won't be there next month is my point a hard hit allowed is just it's just another way of saying average exit velocity in this case i don't think that's useful i don't know what xcra is i don't use it uh, I can't imagine that XBA and X slugging are that useful for pitchers because they're derived off of exit velocity and hard hit. So not useful barrel rate allowed for pitchers, not a thing that is sticky year to year, not a thing that is predictive. So we just went through the first six things on the page and I don't think any of them are predictive. Now you get to K minus BB. Well, those that's K. If I had, if I, you were talking about like, what would this look like if we did our own? I would have K minus BB, whiff, and fastball velocity on there. And that might be the only, I'd only have those four things out of all that they have on there. Really? That would be how you would switch up this board? 
Yeah. And so 67, 40th percentile K, 67th percentile BB, and 49th percentile whiff tells you almost what you're like. I, I haven't said the word yet, but I'm going to now. His stuff plus is bad, but you can see that. You can see that. I do like this pitch distribution thing. You can see that. He has a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He has an 82-mile-an-hour slider. Sliders are, are good, over, better over 85. You know, Fastballs are better over 93, 94. So um, all this is to say that I don't necessarily believe in Bryce Elder, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with his Savant page. But there are some hints of it on the Savant page. If you want me to give you what I think Bryce Elder is, 2022 AAA, 446 ERA, 119 whip, 8 Ks per 9. That's who I think he is. One thing that I found interesting about Bryce Elder is you you talked about it. The problem is is the stuff in general, like I, I respect and um and I and I value stuff plus on the the value of the pitches individually. And I think it's a good metric. Actually, I would love to see for my own personal reference, if we we're talking about what would I like to see on my own like savant page, add in, give me personal pitch stuff plus on there to see the value of each pitch and the overall. But you're you're not gonna get great numbers out of him. One thing I do think that's interesting though is his pitch distribution that he's become a primary slider pitcher. He's almost 40% slider where he was 27% last year. And the reason behind it is like, we've seen so much of this. And, and I, I likened him to Jose uh, or to Johan Oviedo that he's like the Braves Oviedo where, you know, he's, he's found success off of also throwing strikes. And that's what elder is doing. He has an over 50% zone percentage with that slider. And he's able to throw that thing for strikes, even if it's not whiffs, which is just going to keep people off of the sinker fastball a little bit more, which at the end of the day, I think makes him like, maybe he's in between like streamer and someone in a deeper league. You can hold for a while. It could get messy because the pitches themselves aren't fantastic. But I, I feel like so many pitchers have found success not being primary fastball guys when it stinks and using their secondaries. And the thing that whether the pitch is good or not, he's throwing it for strikes and guys aren't getting great reads on it, which I think makes Elder interesting. But none of that is expressed in breaking down his savant page. What did I have to do? You know, I had to drag down. I had to go yeah, you had to go to, to his pitch, pitch mix. You had to, yeah, you, you know, there are definitely uh, there are definitely things on this page that I love. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that I don't like the whole page. I'm I'm talking mostly about that top part. Yeah, exactly. But 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 that I think is the key because um, we've just spent you know half the show talking about this. But I thought it was a really cool topic. That's a good point. Agreed. That's a good point. Yes, that's true for everybody. That like it's a fantastic resource for sure. Yeah, but but my point is to end it is. When you say, is StatCast worthless? I think the percentile board that you guys screenshot is more worthless than what you're making out StatCast to be. You, The guy asked the right. question, is this worthless? But no, the problem is, is because everybody wants to have fun. How many times a day do you see someone go, whose StatCast page is this? And it's like, here's all these things. And everyone wants to play that game. It's because the player 
is being valued off of a percentile board, which one of the smartest baseball minds, you know, has said like maybe 25% of what's on that is actually good. So maybe right. it would be a lot less worthless if we could customize those boards a little bit. But no, it's not worthless because you can do so much research. It's great. And there's a lot of great places. You know, Pitcher List has done a great job of, you know, enabling their pages to, to work more and maybe it's more customizable. But no, the idea of it is not. But maybe like a nice little handy screenshotted board is more a little bit more worthless in in totality there's a last little bit that um is more sort of philosophical and i think you might uh, have an interesting perspective on this sort of looking at at, at uh at prospects a lot which is uh statcast um i think that where it shines the best is measuring athleticism right we're talking about how hard can you hit it how hard can you throw it how yeah. fast can you run you know what i mean like and that's it, it's really a scouting tool in a way in in that it's uh replace it's it's the an offshoot of the radar gun you know i've i've said this about stuff plus too stuff plus stuff plus was born in the radar gun you know we're just trying to make the radar gun better by including movement and stuff right and so you know when you're looking at uh at, at a statcast page you're looking at a lot of measures of athleticism how many uh like if you were scouting prospects there are prospects that you scout that aren't athletic or don't look that athletic and yet still succeed right yeah have you have you thought about that like can you do any names come to mind do uh uh are there ones that weren't athletic and succeeded in the minor leagues that didn't make it in the major leagues and and their athleticism proved to be a problem um, I mean, like athleticism is almost like uh, my what I was saying about the power, the power upside, like your athleticism does determine how good you can be. It's hard to be one of the top five players in the game without being athletic. Well, here's maybe like a, I'm not quite answering your question because I'd have to really probably sit on it. But like, right. Let me throw maybe it, that's something to think about for Project Prospect. on, on Yeah. But let me throw this on, on this other side here. You look and people are going to LOL, but whatever. Um, look at a player like Corbin Carroll. You physically look at Corbin Carroll. That is not the type of guy that you. I'm surprised. He's a little bit small. He's much small. He's the type of guy that in your brain, if if you were to just start stereotyping, you're like, that's a five percent barrel rate, a higher ground ball rate. Second, it's base a story man. Ruiz. It's a story Ruiz. Well, yeah. Guess what? When you can look at the numbers, this five foot ten, a buck sixty five outfielder, the ball hard. who every single person argued with me, oh, he's not going to hit for power. He's not going to hit for power. Whether we what we just talked about or not, actually, let me uh, let me. Uh, let's get his this? let's get a stat page, page well i have it up i have it up but you know what i had it on the uh i had it on the wrong page uh because i uh, want to pull this up here because it's all red baby it is all here's a red. superstar athlete yeah and okay so now i've got it so let me pull it up on screen so the video people can go with me is uh this isn't answering how you wanted the question of like on the opposite, but this is a guy that physically doesn't look it. And look at that Savant page. It is red beyond belief. A five foot 10, 165 guy with a max EV that is in the 93rd percentile of the league. He's a hundred percent sprint speed. One of the he fastest barrel percentage isn't the best, but it is, you know, starting to get into the red. There isn't a blue thing outside of guess what? Arm strength. Arm strength. Which, who cares? <laughs> which, who cares who about cares? that? So and then you is, could put you could put two Corbin Carrolls into Mike Trout. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. So this is one of those guys that you physically go watch play, and you're like, "Wow, this guy's really impressive." 
you physically look at him and you're like, where's the projection? But then you get this story told under where you're like, holy crap, he barrels, he runs, he hits the ball hard, whether it's average or max EV. He does all of the things despite what you would physically see out of him. And that's unfortunately in the minors, a story that you wouldn't be told outside of just watching him. Cause we don't get like high a, you know, I mean, some people do, if you've got, um, I'm forgetting the company that has it, but it's like a team oriented stuff where you get all the stat cast information. This is something we would just physically see, but many people, so many people that I talked to would argue about Corbin Carroll's projection because of what he physically looks like. And he destroyed every single one of those, but it's something that would have been found on the underlying stats. So I went in a different direction of what you asked. But that's why I like objective, objective stats like this, you know, because, uh, you know, another thing is athleticism doesn't always look the same way. I mean, if you'd look at Joey Votto's uh, uh, 2022 uh, uh, Savant page, uh, there's a lot of red and a lot of blue because he's old and he's not a good defender and he's doesn't run fast. And, you know, but is he still athletic in terms of, you know, being able to see the ball really well and being able to hit the ball really hard? So there's different definitions of athleticism that come into to play here. But I still maintain that Savant is so powerful because it's directly observing things. And so, you know, there is that relationship, you know, as you get more of a sample of, of results like Brian Hayes of actual on the field results, you start pairing that. And that's why in the end projection systems that include stuff plus or projection systems that include Savant are going to be the most powerful projection systems because they're going to take oh, we've got some observed results on the field. We can take something out of this. Oh, there is something about how his athleticism translates to the field, but there's also the underlying athleticism that we can actually say, we can put his sprint speed in. We can put his arm strength this in if we care, like if it moves the needle at all, you know, like on his defensive projections or whatever. So like, you know, you it is still supremely powerful in terms of like, just looking at it and then telling it's the same thing as stuff. It's really the same thing as stuff plus. You can't just look at stuff plus and be like, I'm going to tell you everything about this player. You know, Elder probably has good command, probably has a good slider. Some guys who have good sliders have outperformed the model. Robbie Ray was outperforming the model uh, in terms of, you know, just throwing a slider a ton. Like sometimes you, if you just throw a slider a ton, you can do well. Uh, but I will say that I, I'm fading Bryce Elder partially due to some things that are on that StatCast page. And I'm still somewhat interested in Cabrian Hayes partially due to some stuff that's on that StatCast page. Even as I have sat here and slagged uh, the top half of the StatCast page for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I think the, the percentile screenshot is... The, is the same version of small sample size. You know, it's like you're looking at one thing and you're like, you think Without that is context, stat right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like everything is within context. Like small sample sizes tell us a story, but it doesn't tell us the whole thing on the whole season. And you go through and like, what's more powerful than every piece of information you can get on StatCast? So I think it's the way, and, it, and it's also kudos to everybody else because so many more people are in line with wanting to know more and are digging deeper. But, and people sometimes are asking it in a good way like this, like, hey, is this worthless? And these players and then sometimes it's just people that are just like why are we talking about expected stats why are we doing that why are we doing that blah, blah, blah. that's true you know, i've they, seen some uh i've seen some 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 uh some real 
pushback against expected stats. And, you know, we don't use expected stats too much here, but we do use projections. And I've even seen some pushback against projections, but I will go to the mat for projections because projections take a lot of that information and put it into context. And that's why they're so valuable. They can well, say, you know, oh, max EV is not that powerful, but it's a little bit powerful. So we'll put a little bit of it in, you know, barrel rate, super powerful. We're going to put a lot of that in, you know, that's why projections are so cool. Projections definitely put you more at the poker table because now I, I, I'm not the biggest, I, I don't create projections. I don't live and die by but We have like six projection systems on Fangraph, so you can, you can kind of you yeah. can pick your poison. But I like them. I like them. And what I feel is that's where it puts me with all of the cards in the deck. And now I understand. And then I create the hand and I understand my percentages better. Right. And then you can start being like, oh, you know, my price to stay in on the Cabrian Hayes and see what the river looks like on Cabrian Hayes has dropped to the point where ah, I'm in. I know it's not great overall, but my price to stay in is good. I'm in. Or if the price to stay in is bad and so everyone's going all in on you know, Bobby Witt in the second year or somebody like that where you're like, oh, some of the stuff's not so good. I, I don't like this price. I'm not staying in to see this river, you know? Yeah. So you it, know, it's like projections tell you what game you're playing. It's like if yeah. you think you're playing, if you think you're playing Texas Hold'em, but they're really going Omaha and you're now getting four, four cards, it changes <laughs> it. So it, it, it's going around. Okay. So this leads into another great question. I know we were going to talk about a player that was going to lead into this, but let's just do this because we've talked about stuff plus and we're kind of on a roll. We are going to go through a few players, hopefully, but I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, we had a great listener question and uh, DVR and I were talking about this earlier in the week and this was about stuff plus variants. So uh, this is from Eric and he goes, I really enjoy your podcast. Thanks for the really interesting analysis. And he says, my dog gets extra long walks when I'm listening to your show. So shout out to Eric's dog. He says, I have a question for the mailbag. If you have time, have you done or are you aware of any uh, what is it, longitudinal analysis of stuff plus? I didn't say that right. Over the course mm-hmm. of the season, for example, are there pitchers that tend to maintain stuff plus consistency over starts better than others? Any common characteristics amongst pitchers who improve stuff plus in the season? Thank you, Eric. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash rates23. That's linkedin.com slash rates23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash rates23 and get started. Uh, yes and no. The the uh, the the whole idea of stuff plus is that uh, when you're looking at a given pitch type, it does not change much over the season. In terms of stabilization points, it's 18 fastballs. You know, before stuff plus is basically online for a pitcher. Um, and then you'll be like, well, I don't know. Guys have changed their stuff plus over this course year. How, how could that be right? One. 
we have to altitude adjust stuff plus because everybody who went to Mexico City just got super dinged. <laughs> you know, so uh, that's something that's in the works. That's something we can improve. Two, the easiest way to change your stuff plus is to change your mix. It's super easy to do it that way. Just think about it. Start emphasizing a pitch that does well and de-emphasizing a pitch that doesn't do well in Stuff Plus, your Stuff Plus is going to go up because Stuff Plus is an amalgamation of all the separate pitches. So that's why I think it is powerful to have the separate pitches out like that. And it is sometimes useful to just to go through, uh, you know, uh, different profiles. That's why I talk about a lot of this. Uh, uh, on a lot of this podcast about how I like pitchers with large arsenals because they have a chance to, you know, promote one pitch, demote another, uh, play around with that pitch mix and and change their overall stuff, plus change their overall outlook. Um, you know, somebody like Hunter Green and J- Graham Ashcraft are guys that look so great in stuff plus and haven't been looking that great on the field. Well, neither one of them has a third pitch. And what you see is they have a really hard time getting through the fifth and sixth and, you know, to getting to the fifth inning. Even they do, they, they can go real well for three or four innings and then, then they fall apart. So there is a relationship to the size of Arsenal and, uh, and uh, your ability to change it. And, you know, this comes up a little bit with uh, Bryce Miller, who uh, is shoving, uh, you know, apparently he's shoving on a basis uh, that we haven't, ever seen before let me get this codified tweet up real quick yeah i've got one uh, from uh, uh slangs on sports if you want real quick too okay yeah, it yeah. it's bryce miller has five cons- his five consecutive outings of six plus innings pitched and five or fewer base runners is uh one outing shy of tying the longest such streak since 1901 who uh a couple other players that have six 2022 jacob Degrom. 2022 Shane McClanahan, 2016 Clayton Kershaw, and 2015 Zach Granke. The difference, though, those were at any point in their career. This is to start Bryce Miller's career. Uh So this has been trying to kind of weigh how big he's been. And if you didn't pay attention last night against the A's, it's really good to pinch against the A's. He went six innings, (laughs) gave up only two hits. I think he walked his first batter, struck out another six, and he absolutely pops on the stuff. Plus, I was looking um, over on fan graphs. And he's eighth, at least this was as of last night in stuff. Plus I had to change the qualifications of uh, innings pitch. I think I did it like 20 or something. And he was eighth in stuff plus overall at 122. His fastball at a 130 stuff plus, and, which was top six, by the way. And his slider was over 120, which he barely uses. And that was what I was tripped out about was I just don't know how he keeps doing it because it was 80 plus percent fastball last night. And is this so much of like, I think he said it like, hey, I'm, why am I going to stop using my fastball because no one can hit it? Or is this so much about like this guy really is going to try to live 75% fastball because, you know, you talk to him and he's still kind of toying with the sliders and the curveball still kind of getting used to. I just don't know how much more is in the works for us this year and how can he keep maintaining? He's an anomaly. Yeah. And, you know, just after talking about sort of having a wide mix He's got four pitches. The curve and the change are below average, but close enough to average that uh, you can believe in him, but he's not using them. Um, I think he falls into the type of player that I fall in love with, which is big fastball and big mix, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, like uh, Brandon Woodruff has a similar uh, four-seam fastball stuff plus, has a 111 slider stuff plus, and a 106 changeup stuff plus. 
Brandon Woodruff throws his fastball a lot, you know, um, and he loves it. And that's good. But I do think there's the mix and the command there behind it that if there is a day where somehow they are squaring up his fastball, he has other options to go to. There's also a, a thing going on here with Bryce Miller that's kind of interesting is that his slider does really well by Stuff Plus, um, but he's thrown 65 of them and he's only gotten 8% whiffs on it so far. And uh, I I don't know exactly what to do with that. 32% fouls uh, is a lot. Um, and in terms of uh, like what they're doing with the pitch, they're hitting 071 on the slider. Um, but I, it's fair for people to wonder, you know, is, is this pitch going to continue to be good? I would say stuff. Plus it says it's going to be good, but I have noticed, I was watching the last start. Sometimes I feel like there's an auto take from pitchers and he threw a, a, a slider that was like two inches off the bottom of a uh, uh, corner of the strike zone. And the batter didn't even flinch at it. Was it early in a count or something? Like why, how would they even, is he t- like, how would there be an auto take on a, especially a slider when that mix is always fastball. What do you think the auto take was a certain point in the at bat or you think like they just have a good read on the slider and no one's touching it? Um, that makes sense. How I said that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. Can you uh, show our readers this thing? I put it in the chat. Uh, yeah. Let me I don't know how fast that you can do that. But... It should be pretty quick here. Um, okay, so this is a player card from Bryce Miller and on screen now. Yeah, so if you can see the dots there, those are his release points, and um, they're different. Uh, he has a different, like, a, it's pretty, like, they're, they're different for each pitch, and they're, like, they're You separate. would want these to all be kind of hugging. Yeah, um... But uh, I've looked into release point consistency. I've seen other people do research on it, and I haven't uh, found anything predictive there. I also think, look at, highlight that four seam, now highlight the slider. I mean, what what's the difference there? Yeah, let's five, see. Five, six, three. So it was five, six, three average five, vertical eight, release point and minus 1.03 average horizontal, 5.87 so, vertical release on the fastball, point seven, minus 0.78 uh, horizontal release point. So that's three inches, two point nine inches. Wow. Do you think? Do you think a hitter can see that? You would think so. You would think. Well, you know what's so interesting about this too is his fastball. It's it's so crazy because I was I I said this on uh, CBS. It's so good. I mean, it, like there was this one pitch. It was one specific pitch last night, and I I forgot for life of me I can't remember who it was against Ramon Lariano or something. And it was only like a 94 mile an hour fastball, but you would think he threw it 127 miles an hour, how late the pitcher or the hitter was. And he threw it dead center in the zone. It was just right down the freaking middle, 94 miles an hour. And the guy was so far behind it when he throws almost 80% fastballs. And there's something about the whip in his release. And maybe it's the high point as we're looking, you know, at this player card, we're looking at where he releases it. There's something that it does to the fastball that makes it better. But to your point, it does stand. This is a pretty dramatic. I wonder, I'd love to almost see like, should I type in somebody? I would like to see the release point of somebody else that kind of shows like DeGrom. DeGrom? DeGrom is always the guy. Will he come up if I type him up here at the top? Or I think so, yeah. How will this work? Jacob DeGrom, pitcher card. Let's now see if I can do this. To, I don't ever go on You go to scatter charts. 
uh, scattered chart, okay. And then put uh, vertical release point, uh, put y-axis vertical release point. Let's see, where vertical is that? You're right, you were right there, y-axis vertical release point. Oh, vertical release point, okay. And then go down to the next one, x-axis. And then Horizontal vertical? release point, horizontal. horizontal. Okay. No, no, that's horizontal movement. Oh, whoops. Horizontal, horizontal. release point. Okay. Bear with us here. I mean, those are those are hugging. I mean, okay. So if you're watching on the video, which by the way, you should go sub, sub, uh, subscribe to the Rates and Barrels uh, YouTube channel. No, re no reason not to to check it out. Oh, and do a quick date selector. Just do uh, this year. Um, the very top. Let's see, quick date selector. Just 2023. Yeah. Okay. So this is a great example difference uh, of what yeah, Eno is trying are to right prove on top here. Of each other. These babies are a bunch of paint just all in the same spot. I mean, these are within point. Like, you want an example here? Curveball, average vertical. Well, don't do the curveball because that's always going to be the craziest. Do fastball slider. Okay. They should so be right on top of each other. I, you see, I, you can find they're it so there. close, I can't even. Click. Yeah, right. Yeah. Slider is 5.79 vertical release point. And I just want to point 8 out. 2. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th th this is crazy. They're within point. The point one zero of every single pitch where we saw what did you That's say point three inches difference and you saw three inches of difference between yeah. each pitch it looked like for Bryce Miller and specifically the fastball slider so I there there could be something there but that fastball is so good and the pitches are so good uh, and they're still hitting point oh seven one when they do swing I uh, I I know batting average on a pitch type uh, small sample noisy but like they're not succeeding on it you know <laughs> they're just taking it a little bit and I think even if they start taking it like he can throw it in the zone more so you're are you like a buy that this is going to maintain the rest of the year even without the secondaries uh, right now I love him. Okay. I love him. Love. I love. I love. Him. I love, him. Yeah. I love, him. I love uh, Bryce Miller. It will be good to see. He's gone up against like I think like the Braves is his biggest competition. So it'll be good to see when it's a you know two of those starts have come against the A's. Not to like, I think the Astros will be interesting because they have like a really aggressive um, coaching style of like you know they also are high ball hitters that uh, all have like a target the top half of the ball against a rise ball guy. Like Bregman has a very specific plan against rise ball guys. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, an Astro start would be, an, uh, would be a, a big test for him. The only thing I guess I didn't follow up now, I just I don't want to move past this going back. Last thing to the release point of all those pitches and how different they are. Is that the thing that makes you worry about why there's an ineffectiveness? So like, let's say, people start hitting the fastball and he's like, okay, now I do have to adjust that you might, and he might struggle if it has to go more curve, more slider because the release points are so different and it might be viewable to more advanced hitters. Like, do you think when he comes off of heavy, heavy fastball, if he does that, that's going to lead to more problems? Because I think if you were to say like, oh, Hey, Bryce Miller can go to three other pitches if he starts getting hit. Everyone would be like, oh, this is awesome. This feels good. But are you worried that once those start to go in, pitch, uh, hitters are really going to be able to kind of tell what's coming in and he might get hit up more than we're ready for? Again, I don't know um, if it made sense in how I said no, that. No, no. It, it, it's the only thing that bothers me about him. Um, but I will say that there's a person on his team uh, that kind of um, tells you a lot about where a player can go with this profile. So in 2020, in 2021, Logan Gilbert uh, had a 12% whiffs on the four seam um, and the slider was okay, but uh, he didn't really have uh, whiffs on the curve. 
2023, uh, Logan Gilbert is getting fewer whiffs on the fastball because it's not quite as good, but he's still getting a lot of whiffs on the fastball, and now he's getting whiffs on a slider, a curve, and a split. So, you know, it's it's nice to just have the foundational pitch, right? Like, he's got a great fastball, it's and he's got good command. Yeah, I love the long term. How will, like, what will, yeah, exactly. I love the long term. I love the short term. The medium term, maybe there'll be struggles, but almost every starter has some point where they struggle. You know, maybe he, instead of throwing the kind of sweeper, two-playing curveball, he goes to more of a gyro, you know, whatever. Like, he he has learned three sliders. He knows a true sweeper that's sideways that we don't even see that much in the big leagues. He has this two-plane curveball that he throws that's that's called a slider right now, and then he also uh, has a has like a gyro slider. So, or he has a curve. I don't know. He has three breaking. He calls balls. it a gyro. He told me. He yeah, called. Yeah. He he says I have two sliders in his mind because he definitely has a curveball. He says he has a sweeper and a gyro, but he's right. uncomfortable so, with throwing the gyro right now. Right. So, but that's three avenues forward. Great fastball. Three breaking balls he's thrown before. You know, a changeup that looks at least average. I don't know, man. That's something yeah. I'm betting on. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, another guy I wanted to bring up because of some interesting changes, Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech, uh, in his start on Wednesday, seven innings, gave up only two hits, walk one, nine strikeouts, 16 whiffs. Overall on the season, by the way, fastball, um, ninth stuff plus, which I thought was interesting. Lance Brozdowski, who we've talked about, uh, had an interesting tweet about Michael Kopech's release point was down around three to four today relative to his average over his uh, prior three starts. He was able to maintain the shape of it, which was 17 and a half uh, IVB. And he picked up a mile per hour of velo and added uh, one on the arm side run. Also, you saw two miles per hour uptick on his slider. So is what Michael Kopech adjusted and changed to something to buy in on? Are you buying in back on Michael Kopech? Because he's available in some leagues out there. Yeah, it's really interesting that he just had the second or third most horizontal movement on his four seam in his career um, and uh, of any game in his career and uh, improved his uh, changeup uh, run in the process by doing that. Um, and maintained decent vertical movement, especially when you consider that um, if you look at sort of Brooks for vertical movement or something, that is not adjusted for release height. So uh, he had he maintained like decent vertical movement and lowered his his release point, which means that his actual his vertical attack angle uh, is is better, right? If you think about it, if you have the same amount of movement from a lower point, you're staying straighter. Uh, in terms of just geometry and physics. So uh, I, I don't know. I see this guy as somebody that I bet on. I dropped Ronzi Contreras two weeks ago for Michael Kopech in TGFBI. Um, and it felt a little aggressive at the time, but I saw that Kopech had, I think it was Detroit and Cleveland uh, coming up. And I saw that uh, Kopech's, uh, you know, his... Uh, his his stuff plus on the fastball and the slider are good, and his curveball and change are near average. He he's actually reminds me without looking at anything else, he reminds me a little bit of Miller, right? He's got this big big fastball, and he's trying to figure out the other pitches. If this newer release point makes his other pitches better, um, like his changeup better, then I think that's great. Uh, but generally, he's somebody that I bet on just due to the stuff, with an eye towards the schedule so i want to while 
you give me your thoughts on him. I want to look at the schedule and see if I can figure out where he's starting next. Yeah, I'm encouraged by the adjustments. I mean, uh, what I'm also fascinated by, not to like not answer your question, but is <laughs> again, the amount, yeah, again, <laughs> I do that and turn it into something else. But like these these guys that are making in season adjustments, I feel like that some was something that so many people didn't want to do like ten years ago. And I'm thinking about you know changing a release point mid year this year, and thinking about you tweeted about Logan Webb uh, toying with a new grip on a slider and like doing that in season. I think is so fascinating the amount of these guys that are making these changes which is also why like a sample of what we've seen doesn't is not a dictation to what the whole year can be if so many players are willing to make changes on a dime right now and it is this change in pitch mix and sometimes change in actual what the pitch is last 400 pitches and stuff plus uh has a little bit more signal than full season stuff plus so we're now getting into the part of the season where you can look at last month uh, with the slider on Fangraphs. Look at last month's Stuff Plus and see if you see a change. Kopech next week has a two-step. Angels at home, Tigers at home. I'm in. Okay. I think I'm in. I think I'm I in mean, the that. Angels is a little bit scary, but the Tigers is not, and it's a two-step. One, two, three, four, five. After that, Marlins at home. One, two, three, four, five. Mariners in Seattle. One, two, three, four, five. You don't get till June 21 and the Rangers at home where I get at all nervous. So pretty good month run. Michael Kopech moving up ranks, I think. And especially if he can maintain whatever this new release point is, it seems to be effective. Uh, It would only be appropriate because I'm here to talk about one prospect we'll do real quick. I just wanted to bring this to attention because we had just talked about him. And Eno was like, I don't know so much about this guy. But Mm -hmm. Andrew Abbott, who was definitely a product of the tack ball in double A, comes up to triple A. Had like insane strikeout numbers, like 20K9 in in double A with the tack tack ball. Bonkers. He literally had a 20K per nine. Well, I think he had like a 22 IVB or something or 21 or something some crazy yeah it was number. like yeah it was like 19 or 20 or something like that yeah. but um on Wednesday 21 whiffs in AAA he went six and one third gave up only two hits he did walk three struck out nine now five of six AAA games he has seven or more strikeouts so as much as he definitely took advantage of the tact ball in AA AAA you're seeing the strikeout numbers maintain again, and he far and beyond. I believe the next most whiffs in AAA yesterday were 14, and he had 21. This was against the Mets AAA team, which, you know, down some talent that they were putting out there. But I was just curious at any thoughts. I think you might have even pulled up some of the Stuff Plus numbers. I know he hasn't been popping like crazy, but on pay- this is another one of those where it's like, Stuff Plus isn't telling a big story about him where his stats are pretty robust in the minor leagues. And he does look like he's getting close to a major league stint if the Reds are, um, you know, if they're trusting. They keep bringing up arms, so he seems to be next in line. The I think the Stuff Plus numbers actually match the Fangrass uh, uh, grades on the p- different pitch types fairly well. Um, Fangrass gave him a 50 fastball. I've got a 90 Stuff Plus on the four seam. Um those are those are possibly compatible, especially since uh, we don't know when they gave him the fifty, you know, on the fastball, right? Um, the curveball fifty five sixty. I've got a one hundred eight stuff plus, so that's you know that's his best pitch, and it's it's in line with that. Um, and then uh, this is where it might get a little bit controversial because you were saying that his changeup was getting a lot of whiffs. Fangrass has a 40 to 45 on the changeup, and I've got an 89 uh, stuff plus on the changeup for him. So, um, you know, the model is not always as great on on changeups. Um, 
but it matches the scouting grade they put on him. Did you say that he got a bunch of whiffs on the changeup? He did, and of course I went away from the page, and we all know it's Baseball Savant, so it would take me into the next show to be able to pull it up. But yes, he ha- I believe, if I remember correctly, I, think, I want to say it was an 80% whiff rate on the changeup. He had like four plus whiffs, I think, on every single pitch. On And he always did this, un- this weird stat cast thing where... 25 pitches were uh, 25 percent of his pitches were under unknown with no information i'm assuming that was like a variance between his fastball and sinker or whatnot because the other pitches were there but yeah he was very effective on all three pitches yeah and that unknown by the way is gonna mess up uh stuff plus if that's a hard pitch you know we're stuff plus measures off the fastball so if that's a hard pitch there's 20 like that's 25 and the very least it's 25 points of data that we don't have in stuff plus. And I believe he had 12 whiffs off the fastball. I might be actually making up the curve and change up being crazy, crazy effective. I know they were good, but if I, again, I'm just trying to remember this. I think 12 whiffs came off the fastball, but another five came off of this unknown pitch. So if right. that so were the fastball, that would be is 17. Is it a cutter? You know, if that's a cutter, that's a hard pitch that goes in with the fastballs. So um, I would say that there's still a fair amount of unknown. It's a little bit annoying to me, uh, but you always have to treat AAA stuff plus as not as 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 robust as Major League stuff plus because they just don't clean the data as much. So we got 25 points of data from his last start that are not in here. So um, you know, I would say that you know the scouting grades matching up with the stuff plus is interesting. The 30 present, 45 future command on Andrew Abbott with the walk rates that he's shown twice. In his biggest samples, he's given up a 10% plus walk rate. I would say that this is not, um, I'm not sure that's of the class of Bryce Miller, Bobby Miller, uh, Taj Bradley, uh, Tanner Bybee. I, I'm, I hesitate to put him in that group. And he's going to be pitching with the Reds, so we'll have to see how he's that going, goes. Pitching in Cincinnati, it's, yeah, a, it's not it's great. One of the toughest parks in the big leagues, if not the tough. I mean, it's right there, top three toughest. Yeah. Uh, what's up with that guy? Part two. You can check it out. It's Eno. It's Eno's examination of seven struggling hitters, which is available on the Athletic right now. And guess what? If you go to theathletic.com/slash/ratesandbarrels, you can sign up for less than two dollars. A week. That is a current deal I see right here on here. So you can go and do that. You can sign up under the Rates and Barrels code, or you can just go find the article. Go to Eno's uh, Twitter handle at Eno Saris, and you can go and you can have fun and you can pick around. You can check out the articles, click there, and sign right up. You can check out those struggling hitters. You can find Trey Turner, on- Jeremy Pena, you know, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, there are a lot of good names in there, too. And I've been kind of honed in on Trey Turner. I ran a poll about Trey Turner versus Bobby Witt. So I think all of those things kind of combine fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at is it the Welsh Eno at Eno Saris, of course, and I believe you and Al will be rocking it on Friday. Uh, good thoughts to DVR that he's getting some sleep during this time. And thank you, friends, for hanging out with us, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next time right here on Rates and Barrels. Thanks for listening.